We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, it is Kathy Emmons, but I hate to tell you, it's not John Hall. A week ago today, John Hall uh, went through shoulder replacement surgery at a Pittsburgh hospital. He is still in recovery uh, at home, kind of getting used to his uh, brand new uh, machinery that he's had installed. And uh, so he's going to be with us in a couple of days once he's kind of feeling up to things. Right now, he's knocked out on pain medication, Mike, and um, I believe causing some emotional distress to his wife and children. Is that anything <laughs> less than you would have expected? Uh, nothing. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. imagine the pain that he's in right now. I remember. Oh, when, my gosh. I remember, the poor guy. I remember when I broke my nose. And I know it's not a shoulder, but um, just the, uh, the anesthesia. The next oh. day affected me, and I'm not going to get graphic, but yeah, let's just say yeah, it took me about at least a week, week and a half to recover. Um, but right, poor guy. Oh uh, thought, gosh, yeah. The the special phrase "thoughts and prayers" goes to him right now. Exactly, and we mean it literally, <laughs> we, not literally. just as, not yes. just as some kind of mantra that we Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, so our best goes out to John as he continues to recover. John, we love you. We're praying for you. Um, and uh, we have a terrific show ahead. Mike and I are going to bring you all sorts of news stories and all sorts of fun stories and some terrific guests as the next two hours go by. Let's start off talking about the Republican National Convention, Mike, because it began last night. And I bet you took in every single minute of it. Yes, uh, about 50, maybe 60 percent, maybe. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. actually impressive. I think that may be more than what I took in. Now, I, I did. I only watched like clips on YouTube of, uh, yeah, of all the speakers. Right. Uh, I forget the guy's name from South from South Carolina. Oh, um, isn't he good? That's Senator Tim Scott. Oh my gosh, such that was very inspirational. It, it really, was. Really I was. thought it was too. From where he was as a black man to where he came from, and to who he is today, uh, remarkable story. Uh, if if, if if nobody's heard that, if nobody's heard his uh, his uh, his speech. I totally recommend going on YouTube and finding it and, and checking it out. It's awesome. Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, raised by a single mom, he said that he failed his classes before he finally met a mentor. Quote, our family went from cotton to Congress yes. in one lifetime. That's why I believe the next American century will be better than the last. Amen. That was the um, unqualified highlight for me of the first night of the Republican National Convention. Okay, a couple things. Um, It's so weird. I mean, it's just the whole thing is so weird. I talked about the Democratic National Convention, and it was weird. I mean, it's just you're used to seeing, you know, the craziness of, you know, people who are like jammed up against each other. And they've got, you know, uh, fireworks going off and weird flags and odd hats. And it's just like some kind of like sub section of humanity that you haven't seen before. And then you fast forward to this year and it's like silent. Yeah. There's like nobody there. Right? I wonder if so, the, do you think they'll, they'll continue this way even when things finally do get back to no, normal? No, no, I doubt it. Although I think they probably will never go back to not having a, 
like the the Eva Longoria host for the Democratic National Convention, I think people really liked. Yes. So I think that might be something that stays. I don't know. It's just so sterile. It is. I mean, it's like I just I just can't sit there and watch it. OK, uh, but I will. Other than the Tim Scott thing, which I thought was a highlight, um, you know, usually the, the candidate um, doesn't come out until night four or at least night three, at least, but not this time. A President Trump is going to be featured every single night of the Republican National Convention. Knowing him, I guess this should not be a surprise to any of us. Um, he said last night that the push for mail-in voting is, quote, the biggest scam in the history of politics. So that's the number one thing I think he's probably going to be talking about um, over the next four days. I, yeah, we can talk about that later because Greg Clugston, who's usually with us on Monday in the 410 slot, yeah. is going to be with us today, God bless him, in the 540 slot. So if you're interested in hearing the latest from the nation's capital, please tune into our show at that point and uh, hear what he has to say. So I'll ask him directly about the strategy that the White House is employing with having the president front and center for each night of the convention and his push in talking about the doubt he has about getting an actual an accurate mail-in vote count uh in the 2020 election so okay we'll talk okay so that's coming up later with uh, greg clugston okay other things from last night how about a donald trump jr spoke uh nikki haley former u.n ambassador i also thought did a nice job i mean weird how it was done because every one of these speeches is odd because there's like no actual you know feedback from an audience but i thought she was a pretty strong speaker um kimberly guilfoyle i have a hard time taking uh she's uh uh donald trump jr's girlfriend and she was shouting for about it seemed like 35 minutes oh, I didn't catch that um, oh yeah that was something to see um how about, though, the, you know, the Democratic perspective last week on how President Trump should be judged harshly based on his response to the pandemic? Um, right. Kind of the Republican take on that was they're trying to put the president in the light of an empathetic leader. They're trying to say, look, he saw the regular person and he reached out and he tried to look at the, the normal guy going to work at the grocery store, going to work at the hospital. And he kind of gave him um, a hand up. Now this was unqualified, the most awkward moment of last night that I saw, which was, did you see the president standing there um, in the middle of this group of people, Mike, who were, let's see. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. So it was a pre, it was a pre, you know, it was a pre-taped segment in the East room of the white house. And he's shown speaking. They're all these people were, they're all standing yeah. there and they're all at a, at a respectful social three distance, to the left you know, of him, three to the right. Right. Of him and- right. It's soup. It looks so silly awkward it really does okay um so one of them is a postal worker one's a trucker one's a law enforcement officer and and there are a couple medical professionals including some who had contracted the disease and every one of them it's is talking to him and saying you know my gosh you know thank you so much for what you did and think oh my gosh thank you so much for what you did and i know i'm sure that it was heartfelt but it's just you I don't know how you're supposed to be sincere when you know that it's a political thing and the yeah. president's there in a suit and tie in the middle. And it just seems so forced and artificial. Anyway, the president finished by saying, quote, I'm for the nurses. I'm for the doctors. I'm for everybody. We just have to make this China virus go away. 
So anyway, um, that's kind of what we uh, looked at last night in the Republican National Convention, night one. Uh, night two coming up this evening. We'll talk to Greg Clugston about yes. that in our 540 hour. Um, also in the news today, hundreds of thousands of people ordered to evacuate the Gulf Coast on Tuesday as a storm called Laura is threatening uh, to become a Category 3 hurricane. That forecasters could slam into forecasters say could slam into Texas and Louisiana as a major storm with ferocious winds and deadly flooding. I'm reading from today's PG. This is an article uh, reprinted from the Associated Press. Uh, more than 385,000 residents told to flee the Texas cities of Beaumont, Galveston, and Port Arthur, and still more were ordered to evacuate the low-lying southwestern Louisiana areas, where forecasters say as much as 13 feet of storm surge topped by waves could submerge entire communities. Uh, we talked about Houston last week in our Save the Children campaign, because I was there a year and a half ago. Um, the area is still recovering from the devastation of Hurricane Harvey three years ago, and it looks Looks like um, officials in Houston are asking residents to prepare supplies in case they lose power for a few days or need to evacuate. Um, this is just days before the August 29th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, which, as we remember, breached the levee in New Orleans and did uh, unbelievable, untold um, levels of damage. So, you know, gosh, talk about thoughts and prayers. Our prayers go out to all the people who are in the path of this. I don't know how you prepare for two major emergencies at one time. So you're trying to be socially distant and wear your mask and handle all the issues related to the coronavirus while you try to escape a hurricane. I mean, honestly. All right. Um, coming up on today's show, let's talk about some good stuff. Uh, the PSL season has begun, Mike. You know what that is? Come again, the, the, the P what? PSL. PSL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to refresh my memory on this one. That would be the pumpkin spice latte. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that's come out like almost a month ago. There, a lot of it's, people are annoyed about it. Listen, it's like going to the mall and having the Christmas decorations yes. up October 1st, right? Do we yeah. really need this? Anyway, we'll talk about that um, as the show unfolds today. Also, in the 5 o'clock hour, the University of Pittsburgh suspends nine Greek chapters over health and safety guideline regulations. It looks like they're having their parties and they don't really care what else is going on on campus or with the coronavirus. So we'll talk about that at 5.50. Mike, that's not a huge surprise, I guess, for any of us. Um <laughs> Horrible violence here in the city of Pittsburgh. A one-year-old killed amid a night of violence. Uh, We'll talk about that and what it means that we want to defund our police, not just here in Pittsburgh, but around the country. Also, Jerry Falwell Jr. says he's finally resigned as Liberty University's president. We will talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. And coming up next, what does it mean to be greedy? I mean, greedy people are people that are, what, they're rich and they have yachts and things i mean clearly nobody like us is greedy right couldn't be me we'll talk about that next it is the tuesday edition minus john hall of the ride home we're glad you're along be right back Coming up on Love Worth Finding. 
God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have a triune nature, body, soul, and spirit. Now, I want to help you to understand uh, the difference in the body, soul, and spirit and why God created us that way and how God put us together. Join Adrian Rogers for Cultivating a Deeper Faith, How to Strengthen Your Spiritual Life, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to bamboohr.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com slash HR. That's bamboohr.com slash HR. Hi, this is John Hall telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money back guarantee. MyPillow.com. Save 30%. Use promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 when you do. Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously, get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about MyPillow, 800-391-0954. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at Home, formerly XL Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a Help at Home caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home, 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. When we think of the word greed, I don't know. We think, well, that's for people who have, I don't know, who have a really big house. Or, you know, greedy people are people who, you know, are already rich and they're not satisfied. And so they need to have like a Porsche in addition to you know, their uh, BMW and, you know, that's what greed is. And it's hard to assess that in our own lives if we're not people who live with that kind of financial means. To talk about greed, um, we're going to talk about a terrific piece he wrote about it. Dr. John Kessler is back with me today, former chair and professor, Division of Applied Theology and Church Ministry at Moody Bible Institute. His latest book is called Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. John Kessler, welcome back. Um, it's good to be with you, Kathy. Thank you. 
So yeah, John, so the people who struggle with greed are the people who, you know, buy $1,500 shoes, right? <laughs> right. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing about greed, and, and that's probably true of all the, you know, what I'm calling the dangerous virtues is that we're, we can easily spot a greedy person as long as we're not looking in the mirror. When we're looking in the mirror, somehow we never seem to feel that we fall into that category. The rich may be greedy, but not us. And of course, the flaw in that reasoning is that the biblical notion of greed is really about desiring. And desiring is not necessarily the same thing as having. So mm. it's certainly possible for a rich person to be greedy, but somebody who is poor is also able to be greedy. It's not the having but the wanting that okay. becomes the problem. Okay. So it's not the having, it's the wanting. Okay. So speaking of having, tell the story about you getting the email, which kind of um, <laughs> laid out all your financial assets and how you responded to that. Yeah. Well, everybody gets these, you know, especially if you have like, if, if you have a retirement uh, 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 fund or something, you know, and you go and you go look at it and there's, there's usually some feature on there where you can click and you put in a little information and then all of a sudden you get this graph of all of your, your net worth, you know, all of your worldly goods right there in a picture in front of you. So I, of course I did like most people would. And when I looked at it, my reaction wasn't what I thought it would be, you know, because I thought I'd look at it and I would feel good about saying, Oh, look at there like the rich man in Jesus' parable, I have many goods stored up, you know. Instead, it made me feel anxious. That, in fact, and that's, I've, I've looked at it a number of times since the first time, and the reaction is always the same, because the, there's that sense that we have that whatever we possess, we just feel like we need a little bit more, and that it's, there's a kind of anxiety that comes with that. So, John, let's go back and talk about that type of anxiety and what and the different ways it can be manifest. So you're looking at a financial portfolio and you're getting anxiety. Some people are looking at their, I don't know, their clothes closet and get and getting anxiety. Some people are looking at their pantry and getting mm-hmm. anxiety. But when it comes to greed, we still look at the wealthy and say, well, it's something that afflicts them. And since I'm not wealthy, then it doesn't. Greed isn't a thing I have to deal with. Yeah, and and one of the reasons that we don't diagnose it in ourselves, uh, other than the natural denial that comes with sin, I mean, that is a a trait of us as sinful beings, that we don't recognize the sin in ourselves. We easily recognize it in somebody else. But, uh, you know, at the heart of it, the the problem is that it's a mistaken understanding of possession when Jesus talks about it, what he reminds us, particularly in the, in the parable of the wealthy man who stored up goods in his in, in his barns, and in the parable, when God comes to that wealthy farmer who we would think was just doing, you know, just being responsible, you know, because he's, he's stored up so many goods, now his barn doesn't hold him anymore, and he's thinking to himself, well, I'm just going to tear down the barns, and then I'll I'll build better, bigger ones, and then I can say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. The story's in Luke 12. 
the, the thing that he didn't factor in was God. And so that night becomes a kind of a comedy, really. That night, God appears to him and says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And the thing that he had left out of his equation was God himself. And that's, I think, when the Bible talks about greed, it associates it with, greed is really a form of idolatry. And it is because we we don't see God as our possession. In fact, that's really the remedy for it. The solution that the Bible offers in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, is keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, you know, he doesn't say, well, don't be greedy because greed is bad. Don't be greedy because it will make you a rude person. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money because you have everything you need in God. Mm. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So that that anxiety is universal. That, that anxiety can afflict the rich, it, it, it afflicts the poor, and the core of it is a misperception about what really is where our life exists. Our life belongs to God. He is the source of our life. He cares for us no matter whether you have a little or whether you have a lot. So So the um, antidote for greed is recognizing what we have in God. Boy, that's fascinating. I never, I never looked at it that way. I mean, clearly you just read the scripture. It's right there, but I never thought of that as, as like a comparison and and a contrast. Yeah. And you know, the, the writer of Hebrews quotes the psalmist, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And then when you look at Jesus' teaching on this issue in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that Jesus emphasizes is our vulnerability, our fragility. You know, that basically what Jesus says is that the trouble with finding your rest in the things that you own is something as fragile as a moth can ruin them for you. You know, their condition just naturally deteriorates. You buy that new car, drive it out on the lot, and as soon as you cross the threshold, it's worth less than what you paid for it. Or a thief can come in and steal them. But Jesus both, in one sense, I don't want to say he rubs our face in our vulnerability, but he, he acknowledges our vulnerability, but it's because he doesn't want us to be distracted by the fear that that creates. And that's really where this, anxiety of greed comes from. It's this recognition that, you know, whatever I have can be taken from me. What I have will decline. When I look at my net worth, what I'm pretty sure of today is that the numbers are probably going to go down and (laughs) go up. Who knows what's going to happen with Social Security? You know, there there are all kinds of things that that caught, and they, what they betray is that we are relying on creation rather than the creator to take care of us. And the mm-hmm. fundamental message of the Bible is God is the one who gives you life. God is the one who gives you breath. God is the one who gives you daily bread and encourages you to pray for that, tells you to pray for that because he's watching out for you. He's caring for you. And you may not have all you want. You may not have all you want. But the Bible says that in God, you have all that you need. 
I always look forward to our conversations each month with Dr. John Kessler. John's the former chair and professor, Division of Applied Theology and Church Ministry at Moody Bible Institute, and the author most recently of the book called Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. John, I don't know if you have uh, taken your own personal time to watch either the Democratic National Convention or the Republican National Convention. I just might as well ask you, have you seen any of either? Yes, I did not catch the opening of the Republican, but I did see a bit of the Democratic convention. Of course, this issue, this this issue, runs through the yes, platform on both sides, and quite honestly, both sides are appealing to anxiety and greed because yeah. their their framework is fundamentally worldly and not. You know, they're not looking at it from the perspective of the kingdom of God. Um, that's the nature. That's the, I, I don't, you know, I'm not having said that. Of course, I was alienated both sides of your audience, you know, who were on that. But, but that is the nature of the human orientation. That's why when Jesus talks to us about these things, you know, he, he comes at it from a perspective that is not a natural one for us. It's, it's really a supernatural perspective. And even even I think the the emphasis, you know, there are different greed manifests in so many different ways. Even the emphasis today on justice, which you know, justice is a solid biblical virtue, but the way that it is, the way that it is reconstructed by those who are talking about it from a primarily secular perspective, it really is a focus on greed. It is a it is a desire to possess what others have. Yeah. And, and to take it for ourselves. So what about the idea, thing. John, I'm sorry to interrupt you. What about the idea of prosperity? Um, you write in your article that we've defined, redefined, so to speak, greed today. We call it prosperity and we consider it to be a virtue. And if there's anything I think that's on display at both conventions, it's the fact that we think that economic prosperity is the highest thing that we can offer to somebody. Yes, and I need to be careful because I think you can, you know, it's possible to sentimentalize. For example, I think that, that Christians often sentimentalize poverty, you know, that uh, prosperity is not a bad thing. Prosperity is, you know, God's desire for us is to prosper, but his order is primarily to prosper in the soul and to recognize that he will care for us. It's when I'm talking about this, I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's better for you to be poor. You know, the poor are, you know, the, the poor aren't distracted by worldly things. There's a, there's a kind of a romanticization that happens with these issues. The Bible never talks about poverty other than spiritual poverty, but economic poverty in general, it doesn't see it as a, as something you want to aspire to, you know, uh, in fact, what is a proverb is don't don't let me be poor or rich. <laughs> so, it, it, and, and it's really I think it's a humorous statement that the Bible's making. Again, ultimately reminding me that I don't want to be distracted either by my need or by the things that I have from the fact that God is the one who cares for me and God is the, the most important uh, uh, being in my life and. You know, the, the truth about Christ is that he who was rich became poor, for not because he saw poverty as a virtue, he became poor for our sake, as I divested himself, not only of the 
the rights and prerogatives that were his in glory, you know, whatever the comfort of heaven is. But he took upon himself our the poverty of our sin. He became sin for us that he might become the righteousness of God in him. And you can't get any richer than that. You know, mm. you cannot have any more than that. And that really is the, the, the Bible's bottom line message for the rich and the poor. Look to God. Uh, that was God's message to the. That was God's message, you know, to in the parable of the the wealthy man to the wealthy. Look to God. The writer of the Hebrews is writing primarily to poor people, who are who because of their commitment to Jesus Christ, they've had their goods taken from them. And the writer of Hebrews says, "Remember, God has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. You have all you need in Him." That's Dr. John Kessler, former chair and professor, Division of Applied Theology and Church Ministry at Moody Bible Institute. And John is the author most recently of the book, Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. John, thank you so much for being with me again. I'm happy to do it, Kathy. You can care. Terrific. That's John Kessler. Information about him you can find on our website at wordfm.com. And we are going to take, as they call it, a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some shortages that we're seeing in the COVID-19 area. We started with toilet paper, went to paper towels or hand sanitizer, whatever. Now it's reached a really weird place. Aluminum cans. We'll talk about it next in the ride home. I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old one boy. So, when we have Who Mows the Fastest Races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park, Road, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Or corporate Animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. Either license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled across the globe in search of patterns of evidence to support some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now, with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, Journey to Egypt and Beyond, as Tim interviews some of the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. Is there evidence of how and where the host of Israelites could have traveled as recorded in the Bible? Is there evidence of the Egyptian army's demise in the Red Sea? If you've seen the first part of this investigation of the Red Sea Miracle, you won't want to miss the continuation. The results of his pursuits are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, the Red Sea Miracle Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Pittsburgh. If you'd like a smartphone that's really smart, Download the OnePlace.com app, the app that will inspire your faith daily and provide answers to the biggest questions of all. OnePlace lets you download your favorite pastor's programs and listen even offline or in airplane mode with easy connections to your Bluetooth speaker or dashboard. To download your free OnePlace app, visit the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store for your Android device and search for OnePlace. That's OnePlace. 
Today's forecast calls for clear skies, slight winds coming out of the northeast, and customized car insurance from Liberty Mutual, so you only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 Liberty. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Partial clouds for tonight, low 61. Clouds and sun for Wednesday. Watch for a strong afternoon thunderstorm. High 84. Wednesday night in evening thunderstorm. Otherwise clear to partly cloudy. Low 70. Clouds and some sun. Watch for a thunderstorm Thursday. High 85. Friday, high 82. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Doesn't COVID mess everything up? Gosh, do you feel that way? When I go to a grocery store or I try to fix my computer or I'm online trying to negotiate a purchase of, I just, things just don't work. I'm just, I know that I, in some ways, make an idol out of efficiency in my life. I recognize this. I really just like things that work. I like systems that work. I like companies that work. I like to shop at stores that work. Um, hopefully here on the ride home, we like to be, the three of us like to be people that work, you know, it all just kind of comes together. And the coronavirus has just messed up so many systems that all of us are realizing that we just don't work as well as we have in the past. So at the very beginning of the shortage, or at the very beginning of the pandemic, we had a shortage of toilet paper, which was well discussed. And then there was the shortage of paper towels. And then there was there were tissues and hand sanitizer and Clorox wipes and whatever. Um, the thing that I, two things that I, re- this is going to sound so lame, but I am who I am. So I mean, you guys listen to me, most of you probably on a, on a regular basis. If you've never listened to the show before, I'm happy to tell you that I am imperfect and loudly so. And I would tell you that the two things that I have missed very much in the pandemic are this, Tostitos, Cantina, Thin Chips, and Vanilla Coke. Okay. Now that tells you, talk about a first world problem. Okay. I have not had the coronavirus. No one in my immediate family has had the coronavirus. And so the biggest thing I have to complain about is the fact that I haven't had my Coke and chips. I mean, it's just really, really sad. But what's interesting is that a lot of people haven't had their Coke or haven't had their Sierra Mist or their beer because there's a can shortage. All right, listen to this. This is today's Wall Street Journal, an article by Sabira Chaduri. This is what the article writes. Demand for cans is booming across the coronavirus pandemic, propelling can makers to boost manufacturing capacity to prevent shortages and capitalize on a trend they bet will stick. As bars and restaurants across the United States have closed, we all as consumers have rushed to buy large packs of drinks which is a thing that we weren't doing in the same quantities before, right? So we're buying our drinks at supermarkets instead of buying our drinks at restaurants and bars. And so this has accelerated a continuing shift to aluminum drinking cans. Now, the can industry was not ready for this, just like none of us were ready for the coronavirus era. And so they have not been able to make up 
for the shortage they have based on the demand that we're giving them for the kind of drinks we want. U.S. retail sales of aluminum drink cans, which make up nearly all cans for drinks, rocketed 24% by volume just in the month of March. Demand is just kind of crazy, said Kathleen Petrie, Chief Commercial and Sustainability Officer at Ball Corporation, the world's largest maker of aluminum drink, clan, drink cans. Demand has risen sharply, not only for standard 12-ounce cans, but also tall, sleek cans used for drinks like hard seltzer, she said in an interview. Crown Holdings Incorporated, which is another big U.S. can maker, said it was initially able to meet surging North American demand by importing cans from Latin America, where the demand was lower. But now demand is rising there, too. And while Crown is accelerating investments in two U.S. can lines, it still expects a shortfall. From now until the end of the year, they said, in almost every market where we produce, cans will be in short supply. We do not have the ability to make up months of demand in a shorter time period. Now, who would have thought that we would be short on cans? Mike, have you noticed this? Are you like, do you drink beverages in cans? And is this something that's come to you and you think, why can't I get the drink I'm looking for? No, I've I've never run into this issue. Is that right? No. Okay, so I only, but you usually drink out of a plastic bottle though, right? I do. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Okay, so for some reason, I just don't like, pla- well, first of all, I can't drink that much. I get halfway through it and I'm like, yeah. I can't, I, you know, I can't finish this. So a can is like the perfect amount for me. And the other thing is I like to keep cans in my refrigerator because I like my drinks really cold and they don't take up as much space as they do if you have a, you know, a plastic thing. Right. Well, it turns out a lot of people, Mike, especially since the pandemic are becoming like me and they're preferring cans to bottles. And that's why, in addition to the fact (sighs) that bars and restaurants are closed, that they can't get the beverage that they want. Mm. All right. So I haven't seen, I have not had one Again, first world problem. You can mock me. Please send your email to Kathy at wordfm.com. I have not had one vanilla Coke, Mike, since That's the sad. pandemic hit. That not is, one. Normally you have like what? I have one, one every Sunday. One, one every Sunday. One every Sunday. Something's going on here. Isn't that sad? So, I mean, believe me, it's not like I'm on the verge of not surviving. I think I'll be fine, but it's still sad. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, hey, also news today that Usain Bolt has the coronavirus. Wow. Yeah. Uh, eight-time gold medalist Usain Bolt, he just uh, was announced by the Jamaican Public Health Service um, that he has a positive test result for the coronavirus. Um, he won gold medals in both the 100 and 200-meter dash at three consecutive Olympic Games, if you remember. Um, first man to accomplish that feat. I also think that he won gold in the relay, as I remember. Anyway, our best to Usain Bolt. Just another one of the... Um, I wonder if we... like. I, I should probably Google, when I have a chance, the number of professional athletes who've been diagnosed with the coronavirus because it's been quite a lot actually yeah. so anyway, our very best to Usain Bolt all right when we come back uh, we're going to turn our attention from uh let's see from running in aluminum cans to astrophysics and artificial intelligence how about that we like to mix it up on the ride home so stay right where you are Jeff's wearing next we're going to talk about maybe our future does it look like Terminator WTOP 
W-O-R-D. It's back to school time. Whether your kids are returning to class with face masks or you're keeping them at home, one thing will stay the same. Back to school is expensive. So we'd like to help. Enter the back-to-school sweepstakes. You could win $2,500 for your kids' expenses. Then we pay an additional $2,500 to your school. There are lots of ways to enter. Find out how you and your school could be a winner. Sign up at wordfm.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents... Nemu, I love how we're always looking out for each other. Kind of like how Liberty Mutual looks out for you by customizing your home insurance. So you only pay for what you need. Lemu, why didn't you tell me about the uncovered manhole? I was literally just telling you. Lemu, I had no idea you could swim. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsoruspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. At Stock Family Dentistry, exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. They were just as eager or more eager than we were. I think that goes back to considering them part of our family. I think they feel a part of our family and their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Stock Family Dentistry on Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life and Legacy show, you will find it archived at secularlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy show. Alexa, I don't like it. I don't want to speak into a thing at my house and have it do a thing for me. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I will speak into my phone. I talk to Siri all the time. I mean, everybody in my family makes fun of me because I utilize Siri so much. I think because I, I've always wished I had an assistant that could help me with basic things because I'm so horrible when it comes to details. And maybe having Siri in my head is like I've finally gotten somebody who's there to help me. I don't know. But again, that's what artificial intelligence does, right? It tricks you into thinking that there's really somebody there when there's nobody there. I mean, it, it's a collection of zeros and ones, and that's who my assistant is. I can't get an assistant, Mike, and so I have ones and zeros to help me. 
Anyway, what does that mean for our future? What, what does that mean for how we look at cars, how we look at communication, how we look at operating our garage door or our refrigerator, or maybe our alarm system we have in our house? And what line do we cross when that is out of control? To talk about that, we've invited astrophysicist Jeff Swearing back to the program. Jeff is a research scholar at Reasons to Believe. He is writing and is speaking, encourage people to consider the connection between scripture's truth and scientific evidence. Jeff's the author of Is There Life Out There? Who's Afraid of the Multiverse? And co-author of the Impact Events series. Jeff is also a project scientist at the University of California, Los Angeles. Jeff Zwierick, welcome back. Hi, it is good to be here today. Looking forward to our conversation. All right. So I don't like Alexa because she freaks me out. For some reason, Siri is like my best friend. I mean, it's strange the level of comfort we have with different bits of artificial intelligence, Jeff. You know, it really is. It's, it's funny because the you know, Siri, Alexa, those sorts of things are designed to try and understand human language as the best they can. And, and I don't use that air quotes around understand because really what they're doing is saying, given this phrase, that maps to this is what the person is looking for. And so it's this very impersonal thing that done well seems like you're actually talking to someone who understands, but at the end of the day is a very different way of doing things than virtually every human does it. So it, it is odd, but we do, they, they seem kind of personal at some level. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I was I was laughing as I said it, but I think I'm not, I'm kind of trying to psychoanalyze myself. I think maybe I see Siri as some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of digital assistant. I mean, you know, obviously we got a lot going on in our jobs, Mike and I, and so I do a lot of interacting with uh, with media of all different sorts around my house. And so if I can get Siri to tell me, you know, to set a timer for me or to set an alarm for me or to do whatever, I'm going to do it, right? I've become very comfortable with that. And it's weird how they respond, right? I think that's that's the the thing that we've become comfortable with, that if we take a step back, we say, wait a minute, that is really weird how Alexa answers me. Yeah, it, it is very interesting. And, you know, what's, what's, what I find interesting is the things you're talking about doing are the things that really do make our lives easier and actually allow us to be able to relate to other people more instead of having to do, you know, kind of somewhat menial tasks, you know, sitting down, sending yourself an email or clicking on buttons so that it sends, uh, sets, a, sets a reminder or a meeting, if you can just speak that and do that, that makes things easier for you. Uh, you know, and, and if you could imagine someone just following around and every time you say, hey, put this on the calendar, that's a little bit of a dehumanizing job, but there's a comfort in knowing, hey, I've got this digital assistant, if you will, who will take care of it. But again, I do want to just emphasize that the the what the... Alexa and Google and Siri are doing, it's not thinking about and processing language the way we do. They're saying, all right, this is what the, is going on. This is what these words mean. And this gets mapped to a specific output. At no point in there does uh, Siri or, or Alexa ever say, uh, you know what, I think they really meant this over here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go something different today and do something different to see what they like. They just don't do that because these set of inputs mean these set of outputs. Okay, so tell us about, so how does artificial intelligence work at this point? Does it, um, so we, uh, as I understand it, AI can learn, but can it look 
backward? Can it be, ref- I mean, is, is it weird for me to ask if artificial intelligence can be reflective? No, that, that's actually a really good question because that's something as humans, we innately do without even being conscious of it at some level. Uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, the, there's uh, you know, a book that I was reading, it's called The Book of Why by Judeo Pearl, um, kind of outlined three different ways of looking at things. One is just kind of seeing the correlations that are there. This Seeing this means this thing over here as well. But then there's a, so that would be like, uh, you know, okay, uh, you know, he likes talking about toothpaste, you know, so if you ask Siri, hey, what's the toothpaste today? Siri might think, hey, everybody who asks for toothpaste also wants dental floss. And so I asked Siri, would say, would you also like dental floss with that? Um, but, what, but what humans also do there is that I'll look at that and say, you know, okay, wait a second. Why is my wife asking for toothpaste in the middle of the day? Is she wanting to do something different? So I'll go off and think about, does this mean something else? I'm going to intervene in this situation and see if maybe something else is going on here. Um, and, and none of the AI can do that at this point in time. All the AI does is says, all right, given this set of inputs, it maps to this set of outputs. Whereas humans will say, given this set of inputs, maybe this is going on, maybe that's going on, and the human will go off and get new data to see which the correct response is. And even beyond that, humans can also sit back and think, you know what, what if I brushed my teeth better this morning? Would I even need to have toothpaste today? You know, so humans can even think about things that don't even exist where there's no way to gather data on it because it's impossible. And so that's, there really is a big gulf between what AI is capable of doing today and what humans, even from an early age, just do without even being conscious of it almost. Astrophysicist Jeff Zwierink is with me today, research scholar, Reasons to Believe. His writing and speaking encourage people to consider the connection between scripture's truth and scientific evidence. We're talking about artificial intelligence. Jeff, I need to take a break. Would you stay with me? Can you hang on for a minute? Absolutely. Terrific. We'll be right back. We're going to talk more about artificial intelligence and um, the concern that many in the scientific or tech community have about when artificial intelligence can go too far. We'll talk about that next on The Ride Home. It's Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale. Hurry in and save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 or more. And save up to 50% on select mattresses from our top-rated brands, like Sealy and more. Shop in-store, online, or by phone today. Don't wait. Only at Mattress Firm's Labor Day Sale. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. Some products only available online. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. How do you keep a biblical perspective in a pandemic accompanied by a mental health crisis? As COVID-19 has spread, prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications have nearly doubled. Yet in a world consumed by worry, God has a purpose for anxiety. And that's the subject of a timely new book, The End of Anxiety, the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Written by pastor and biblical counselor Josh Weidman, it offers his personal prescription with practical steps and biblical answers for coping with stress and deepening trust and dependence on God. The End of Anxiety can help you find peace and joy in times of uncertainty, fear, and darkness. Our main goal as Christians is to glorify God in everything we do. And as the author opens his life and personal journey in this book, he shows how suffering, anxiety, and our mental battles can bring God the glory. The End of Anxiety, the biblical prescription for overcoming fear, worry, and panic. Available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Learn more at endofanxiety.com. 
If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard that right. You can actually get paid to provide care to those you love. To learn more, contact Help at Home today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. Call Help at Home, 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. Got grays? Then you've got to get your hands on the number one root concealer in the world from L'Oreal. Magic Root Cover-Up Spray. In just three, two, one, you're done. Sprays on easily, dries in a flash. Washes out in one shampoo. Works on every hair color and every hair texture. Magic Root Cover-Up Spray. With eight beautiful shades that blend right in, you'll see why it's number one. Magic Root Cover-Up Spray by L'Oreal Paris. Look for the turquoise can at your local retailer. This radio station accepts political advertising. In fact, we are required to do so by federal law. We understand that not all of our listeners will agree with statements or positions taken by all of these candidates, and sometimes neither do we. This radio station is an important part of this community, and therefore the candidates want to bring their message to you via our airwaves. We do so as a public service, and we are required to do so. Regardless of your position on these issues, please make sure you register to vote so your voice is heard. We're talking artificial intelligence with astrophysicist Jeff Swearing. He's author of Is There Life Out There and Who's Afraid of the Multiverse? Jeff, um, I was thinking of the interview I heard Joe Rogan do with Elon Musk, Elon, the, the founder of Tesla and Space Inc. And Elon Musk has famously said that he feels like we are swiftly approaching a period where we will not be able to get back what we are giving power-wise to artificial intelligence. Um, from your perspective, Jeff, is that a an anxiety or a fear you share with him? Well, I certainly think it's something we need to be very concerned about the ethical implications of developing AI because uh, I'm not so sure that as uh, we're going to be able to develop computers that are going to be able to dominate us like in Terminator, but I do think the AI is going to be a very, very powerful tool And I've learned that the more powerful the tool is, the greater good you can do, but also the more damage you can do. And I think we need to be very careful Mm. about what we're going to do with AI because it tends to dehumanize people. Okay, that's interesting. So so as as AI becomes more humanized, as in, you know, me referring to Siri as a person, then that emphasis is actually dehumanizing humans. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I see that a, a lot of the ways I interact with technology and the people who I see, um, you know, I mean, as, as Siri and everything are becoming more and more personal, that it, it seems like you're actually talking. We tend to project human identity or anthrop- anthrop- anthropomorphize the, the AI. But at the same time, you look at uh, things that allow us to communicate more easily, like Twitter or to get around places like the car. When we start using Twitter or we get into our car, people out there tend to be objects to avoid it or things to conquer or dominate. We tend to dehumanize people with these powerful tools we develop. And so it's just kind of an interesting juxtaposition that we're trying to develop relationships with the computer in some sense, but at the same time, making humans seem less valuable in the way we interact with them using that very same technology. Well, okay, so from your, uh, this is a spiritual question, but is that is that is that a deception? I mean, why 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 do humans tend to do that? 
That's a great question. I, I, I know that when I'm driving my car very often, the other cars, I look at them as cars instead of people driving the cars, and they're often obstacles to getting where I want to go. Or when I'm on Twitter, when somebody raises a point that I don't like, I tend to attack the point and forget that there's a person behind there. And I think that's what the, the AI will tend to do is to uh, you know, for, or help enable us to forget that there's actually a person that we're caring about. So the reason why we want to develop AI is not because it'd just be cool to have an Android walking next to me. It's because that Android or that technology can help us diagnose diseases better or solve these problems or take care of humanity. Uh, but you know, the, the thing that allows the AI, the tool, to be such good, that power also means it's got great potential for destruction. I've got to cut you off. That's Dr. Jeff Zwering, research scholar at Reasons to Believe and project scientist at UCLA. Jeff, thanks so much for being with us. In our 5 o'clock hour, we're going to talk next about the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's next. See you soon on the right. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM, Pittsburgh, at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The National Hurricane Center projects that Laura will draw energy from warm Gulf waters and become a Category 3 hurricane before making landfall along the Gulf Coast late Wednesday or early Thursday, with winds of around 115 miles per hour. Officials urged evacuating people to stay with relatives or in hotel rooms to avoid spreading the virus that causes COVID-19. Day 2 of the RNC, First Lady Melania Trump set to give the night's marquee address from the Rose Garden of the White House. President Trump expected to make an appearance during primetime programming. Firefighters aided by weather and reinforcements hoping to continue their progress against California wildfires that have killed at least seven people in ravaged counties in the San Francisco Bay Area and wine country. Stocks finishing mixed, the Dow dropped 60 points, the Nasdaq ahead 86, and the S&P up a dozen. This is SRN News. Hi, this is John Hall telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money back guarantee. MyPillow.com. Save 30%. Use promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 when you do. Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously, get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about MyPillow, 800-391-0954. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. 
For more than 20 years, investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney has traveled the globe for evidence of some of the Old Testament's most miraculous events. Now, with the Red Sea Miracle Part 2, Journey to Egypt and Beyond, as Tim interviews the world's foremost experts to discover the truth. The results are faith-affirming and fascinating. You must see Patterns of Evidence, the Red Sea Miracle Part 2. To see this powerful documentary and others in the series, go to SalemNow.com and use the promo code Pittsburgh for 20 off. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirabet on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the blue star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Partial clouds for tonight, low 61. Clouds and sun for Wednesday. Watch for a strong afternoon thunderstorm. High 84. Wednesday night in evening thunderstorm. Otherwise clear to partly cloudy, low 70. Clouds and some sun. Watch for a thunderstorm Thursday. High 85. Friday, high 82. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Welcome in. Happy to have you along in the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. Uh, John and I took a couple days off. I moved both of my kids into college um, over the last four or five days. And uh, John is recovering from shoulder replacement surgery he had at a Pittsburgh hospital one week ago today. Our very best goes out to John. Uh, He's still in a lot of pain, has a lot of uh, road to hoe ahead of him. And for those of you who had any type of replacement surgery like that, whether it's shoulder or knee or hip or whatever it is, you can, uh, you know better than me what he's going through. So anyway, we soldier on in his absence. We miss him a lot. Um, sending our very best to him. Happy to be here with you today, along with Mike Duffy back in the studio. I broadcast today again from my spare room. Um, all right. Uh, Really tragic news from uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, A couple days ago, a police shooting of a black man. And since then, two nights of violence, widespread destruction. Um, As protesters are angered over the police shooting of Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old man who police shot multiple times in the back on Sunday. Um, There's no body camera video like there was with George Floyd. Um, Police haven't said if the officers who shot Mr. Blake were wearing body cameras. It appears unlikely because back in 2017, the city unanimously voted to approve body cameras for its officers, but tabled the idea over the approximately $1 million expense and unresolved issues about privacy and how data would be stored. Okay, um, 
here's what is important to know about the Jacob Blake story. First off, Jacob Blake, thank goodness, is still alive. He's in a hospital in the Kenosha, Wisconsin area. He's still in critical condition, but is still holding his own. Um, So that's good news. Um, A video of the shooting, however, did go viral on Sunday. And um, I've watched the video multiple times because I felt like it was important for me to do so, um, to talk with you all about it today. And um, I mean, it's hard to believe that we're in a place in history where we can just sit there and watch something like that happen. Uh, I'm not sure where to start with it other than to say that it's very disturbing to watch, but it's available to watch online. Um, Jacob Blake has a history of um, issues with law enforcement. Um, He was arrested for driving without a license in 2018, and there was also a warrant for his arrest filed in Wisconsin Circuit Court in July, just a few months ago, on charges of criminal trespass, domestic abuse, and third-degree sexual assault. However, any of those things, driving without a license or criminal trespass or domestic abuse or third-degree sexual assault, does not carry... um, a capital sentence in America. So um, regardless of what he did or is accused of doing, um, it was not a sentence that the police should have carried out. And uh, shooting him seven times in the back seems to me incredible, um, an incredible overreach of um, of using a weapon in the line of your work. Now, I don't know what it's like to be a policeman, and I know that there are policemen who listen to the show, and I'm sure um, I welcome your feedback, whether it's on my voicemail or by email. Um, I can say that in the video, what happens is that Jacob Blake, um, 29 years old, is on one side of his car. He's obviously already having some kind of altercation with police that I understand involved the police tasing him. Um, he's on, as I said, the passenger side. As he walks around the front, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why he does this. Um, bystanders were saying he was going to check on his kids. I don't even know. He has three children. I don't, I don't know where his kids were. I don't see that in the video, so I can't really tell you. But he's walking in front of the car, walking around to the driver's side, and the police are following him. And they, one policeman has his weapon Um, out. I'm not sure if the second cop had his weapon out. I don't remember, but the first man, the first uh, policeman is following Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake opens the door to the driver's side. And as he goes to get in, the police officer is standing behind him and he grabs his tank top with his left hand. The policeman does. And with his right hand, he shoots Jacob Blake in the back seven times. Now, I feel like shooting somebody once when you're, I mean, his gun is in his back. I just, I can't figure out why you would have to shoot somebody more than one time if you were concerned about them getting behind the wheel of the vehicle. Um, and I, I don't mean to get in the business of a cop who's trying to do his job, but I just, it, I don't know how you can look at that as just a regular person and say that there's, that there's not something grotesquely wrong with that. Uh, I can't say that he was shot because he was a black man. All I can say is that he is a black man and he was shot. Um, Protests have been going on the last two nights. They've gotten completely out of hand. Um, Protesters are not acting like they care about life and death. um, And that's not helping either. Again, every time we talk about this and it goes on and on and on and on, um, we end up getting to the same place, which is that the, the shooting looks like it's way 
too much and the protests get way out of hand too fast. So I, I, I mean, I'm incredibly frustrated. I get to the place where I don't know what to say anymore. I'm pleading for people to have open minds and open hearts as they hear from especially folks who are on the opposite end of the political spectrum from where they are so that you can hear the real stories of what people think. Um, and I, I don't know if we're really getting anywhere in our conversation in America about this. I just, I don't know. The officers involved in the shooting um, have been uh, suspended until the investigation will be completed. Um, so it just seems like it's bad news all the way around. It just seems like bad news. Um, Amber Cochran, 30 years old, I'm reading the article by Aaron Aylworth and Julie Vernow in the Wall Street Journal today. Amber Cochran, 30 years old, a Kenosha native, said that she was at the Kenosha Rotary Safety Center directing the gathering of supplies to help with the cleanup, but then police warned volunteers to go home, saying more protest activity was expected in the area at noon. We just recovered from the pandemic, she said, and now here we are protests and buildings just being burned. I'm feeling all of the emotions. I'm sick to my stomach. I feel like we're at a point where we can't make a right decision no matter what we do. God help us. I don't know the right way forward. I just know that it has to include, it has to include listening. It has to include action and it has to include us getting out of our political groups so that we can hear people on the other side. Coming up next in this hour, uh, we're going to talk with Greg Clugston, who is our uh, SRN News White House correspondent. We usually speak to him on Mondays, but because I had yesterday off, he was kind enough to say he would join me today at 540. We'll talk about the Republican National Convention, which started last night. We'll see what we can look forward to tonight if you're a convention type um, and any news also that's related to things going on in, um, in the national and international scene. That's coming up at 540. Also, the University of Pittsburgh suspends nine Greek chapters over health and safety guidelines that have to do with the coronavirus pandemic. We'll talk about that. And coming up next, Jerry Falwell Jr. He says he has resigned as Liberty University president because of yet another sexual scandal. We'll talk about that with Ian Lovett, national religion reporter for the Wall Street Journal next on the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. Thanks for being along. WORD. When we come to Saving Faith in Jesus, it's not only our beliefs that change. As the Holy Spirit works through us, our lives are transformed. Learn how the gospel changes every aspect of our lives this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life with Alistair Begg, tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. You know what you could do? You could completely rid of all the grass in your backyard and turn it into a gigantic neon green trampoline park. Or you could turn all the walls in your home office into a massive vending machine display where only you know the special code and only Rolos and Fritos pop out. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And one thing we're seeing from hundreds of families across the country is the cash out refinance. Home values have gone up significantly the last few years, leaving many families with the ability to cash out the equity in their home to use for life. Usually it's for normal things like paying off credit card debt or doing home upgrades, but it could be for a vending machine room. Just saying. If you're curious of your options, we'd love to help. We 
or United Faith Mortgage. See our story and read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. Wahoo! United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. I'm listener 1330, Department of Banking, Mortgage Lender License Number 22672. Hi, I'm Dennis Prager. Last year, I co-starred in a movie with Adam Carolla that warned you, my fellow Americans, about the current attack on free speech and free thought began in the universities, and I warned you it would be coming to your neighborhood and your workplace. I had no idea how soon. We now have leaders in media, big tech, the law, business, and government who no longer believe in free speech or the principles of freedom and liberty our founders gave us. If you and your family want to understand what is happening in our world and know how you can fight back to protect the people you love, you must watch No Safe Spaces. I promise you a great movie. I use the word very carefully. Go to nosafespaces.com, learn the truth so you can defend your family and our country. Go to nosafespaces.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off. Nosafespaces.com. Promo code Pittsburgh. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Who's most at risk for coronavirus? People over 65, people with underlying medical conditions like heart disease, chronic lung disease, asthma, diabetes, people undergoing cancer treatment, and people with weakened immune systems. What should you do if you or a loved one is at higher risk? Avoid close contact with people. Avoid crowds. Stay home if you can. Wash your hands frequently. Learn more ways to protect yourself and others at coronavirus.gov. It's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's headlines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. several years, I'd say the last four plus, there's been a lot of controversy surrounding one of the most influential figures in, um, I would call it American popular Christianity. I've just made up that term. Um, Jerry Falwell Jr. He's the president. He was the president of Liberty University until today. And uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. is a um, robustly uh, extroverted human being when it comes to social media and when it comes to politics. He's inserted himself in a lot of ways in the uh, American popular culture, especially at the intersection of faith and politics. And today he has decided because of a, another sexual scandal to resign from his position at Liberty University. To talk about the particulars, as many as we can, we've invited Ian Lovett to be with us. Ian is the national religion reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Ian, welcome in. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, Ian, I've appreciated your work at the journal. Thank you very much for it. Um, I'm sure you don't get a lot of kudos in your job. And so I want to make sure I give those to you, especially um, in an article in an issue that is as weird and really unsavory as this one. Um, So Ian, let's talk about Jerry Falwell Jr. First, um, let's place him in what you think is his appropriate position in the world of uh, American popular Christianity. What do you say? So um, Jerry Falwell Jr. has for years now occupied a sort of unique position in American evangelicalism. He, unlike his father, his father was Jerry Falwell Sr. was a famed iconoclastic um, conservative Christian pastor who really helped kind of bring evangelicals into the Republican Party in the way that we think of them today. Um, but Jerry Falwell Jr. was never a pastor and often says that himself, actually. He first went to law school um, and then worked in real estate and served in various roles at Liberty before his father died in 2007. And um, before he before he took over that role, uh, he was known as being incredibly shy to the point of reclusiveness. He was very uncomfortable speaking publicly. Um, but the longer he held that the more he started to kind of find a public voice. Um, and, you know, as the school, the school's enrollment grew, the school's endowment grew, um, he spoke out more and more. And especially um, when Donald Trump started running for president uh, in 2016, was really when he rose to national prominence. He was one of the very first major evangelical leaders to uh, endorse Donald Trump. Um, and he's been one of his very stalwart, most stalwart backers ever since, to the point of actually feuding with other evangelical leaders on social media sometimes um, when they when they do anything he sees as criticizing the president. So, Ian, for the last four plus years, um, this person who you say was introverted and now, as I think I called him, robustly extroverted um, in the social media world, um, has come to the defense of President Trump at all sorts of times and has certainly come to put in boldface type what he sees as the um, as the sensible connection between Christianity and the political right. Um, from your perspective, has he succeeded in drawing people to his side on that? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, um, I think he has. I mean, he when he endorsed Donald Trump in very early 2016, there was not a lot of evangelical support um, for Mr. Trump. But people, evangelicals really did come around. They back white evangelicals backed Donald Trump in 2016 um, at record rates in the election. And to a certain extent, I think Jerry Falwell Jr. does deserve credit for that. Um, he, he made a very different argument than the kind that his father would make um, in political races. His father would talk about morality. He would talk about um, pornography and um, sexual ethics, things like that. These were not issues that Jerry Falwell Jr. ever really talked about. He talked about much more sort of practical things. He would talk about religious freedom sometimes, but often he would just rail against liberal policies. Um, even ones that had nothing to do with um, Christian values at all. For example, the the mask order in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Right. We're talking to Ian Lovett, national religion reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Right. So he's tweeting a lot, speaking a lot about political issues, while at the same time, he's the president of a Christian university. Um, that got him into a lot of hot water with faculty members who started speaking out, with students who started speaking out. Um, talk about that uh, evolution over the last three, four years. So faculty members and students have said that increasingly there was sort of a culture of fear on campus at Liberty. They said they felt afraid 
first off to sort of say anything publicly that criticized uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. or criticized Liberty. But because he was so robustly backing President Trump, they said that that morphed over time into a fear of saying anything negative about President Trump at all. Um, several years ago, the Liberty gave faculty members a required survey where they were asked to fill out on a scale of one to five, how liberal or conservative they were. And faculty members said that they felt like this was potentially a litmus test, that the surveys were anonymous, but that departments where perhaps there were more liberal professors would be targeted for downsizing. And so there was just a lot of hesitation to speak publicly. And even today, now that he's gone, a lot of professors who I've tried to talk to, including people who have, who have left the school already, have said they really don't want to talk because they're still afraid of potential backlash. Right. Okay, so let's go. I mean, there have been several scandals that have um, that have met Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, let's talk about the one regarding the mask and the governor of Virginia. So uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., as I remember, photographed himself um, wearing a mask that had the governor of Virginia in blackface, um, which which helped us all to remember that ridiculous um, scandal that the governor of Virginia was involved in. Talk about how, talk, you know, kind of give us the picture of that tweet and then talk about the response of the Liberty community. So um, the description there is not exactly right. Um, he, he sort of photoshopped that picture of Governor Northam of Virginia onto a mask and was, he was criticizing that mask policy and saying that he basically would be willing to wear one if uh, it could have okay, that photo so it on wasn't, it. Okay, so it wasn't, an, yeah, it wasn't yeah. an actual mask he made. It was like a Photoshop thing? I, I, think, I think so. I can't be totally sure, but that's what it looked like in the photo. Um, in any case, it caused a lot of backlash, particularly among um, Black students and alumni. A group of Black alumni sent a letter to President Falwell as well as the board um, saying that, among other things, they would no longer be um, feel comfortable encouraging young people to attend the school. And one of the people who signed that letter was actually the daughter of the the person who's now the the acting chair of the board of trustees. Mm-hmm. Um, and several black students, including some prominent athletes, posted on social media that they were going to withdraw from the school that they found. Um, that there was a racist environment there, and that this um, was more evidence of that. So he eventually apologized, but it was a more vigorous backlash than I think he had faced from past controversies and, and turned out to be a prelude of what's come in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree with what you said there, Ian. To me, and I followed, you know, Jerry Falwell pretty closely because of uh, my position here at the station. And I, I up to that point, it was, you know, his his comments and his viewpoint on linking Christianity with a particular brand of American politics was controversial, but that mask thing, that was like a step across the line. All of a sudden it became um, vitriolic. It became, he was, he was putting himself at the center of a larger national conversation and, um, Talk about how it played out for him. Was that the moment when he started to lose support at Liberty? Um, You know, there had been opposition to him at Liberty before. There had been some student protests and there were alumni who were openly unhappy with him, particularly the way that they felt like um, he focused too much on on politics and not enough on spirituality, that the focus of the um, the university was drifting away from its original mission. Um, after that, he still, I think, had very robust support 
from the board, many of whom you know he appointed or was close with. Um, and so I think if that had been the end of all the scandals um, this summer, that he would still be president of Liberty University and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation now. It was really just that that, that was the first in what turned out to be a string of kind of bizarre incidents um, right. that he was involved in over the last few months. Right. As you say, that was not the end of the scandal. Ian Lovett, National Religion Reporter for Wall Street Journal with me today. Um, Ian, let's talk about the tweet that he put out maybe, I don't know, was it a month ago uh, where he was photographed with one of his wife's assistants or something? And I mean, it was it was on a yacht. I don't know. Tell us about it, Ian. I hate to even describe it. It's so weird. This was this was the first truly bizarre moment in this whole saga. Um, The uh, it was about three weeks ago. Um, he posted on Instagram some photos from his vacation with his family. And in one of them, um, he was standing with his stomach exposed and his shorts unbuttoned and unzipped. Um, in, in his left hand, he's holding what looks like a glass of wine. And in his right, it's not a wine glass, but it looks like wine inside the glass. And in his, his right arm is around a woman who also has her midriff there and also has her shorts unbuttoned. Um, and the caption said that the, the glass in his hand was black water. Um, like that was the and, biggest problem with the image. <laughs> yes. And um, so there was immediately an uproar uh, about this photo. It's the type of thing that for a number of reasons, um, you know, Liberty students are not allowed to do the, the code of conduct at the school prohibits bikinis on campus for students. It prohibits alcohol. Students can be disciplined and potentially expelled for these sorts of things. Um, and and he deleted the tweet. And eventually he, he did several days later a kind of radio interview where he apologized kind of, but there was, um, I, people were not satisfied with that apology. And there was actually a lot of speculation about um, his drinking at that point. And, and then he was placed on uh, indefinitely absence within a week of posting that photo. We're talking about the resignation of Jerry Falwell Jr. from Liberty University today. We're discussing it with Ian Lovett, National Religion Reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Um, if you're just joining us and you have children in the room, you might want to send them into another room or perhaps just turn the station for just a couple minutes because we're going to talk about the latest scandal, which did prompt his resignation today. It is sexually explicit. Um, Ian, without going into too much detail, well, I mean, we're going to have to go into enough detail to make this story count. I don't even know how you discuss this kind of thing on the radio anymore. Um, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. has been linked with a man by the name of Giancarlo Granda. I first heard about this story, I don't know, it was probably last summer, Ian, and uh, linked with the uh, Trump lawyer, Michael Cohen. Uh, when did you hear about this for the first time? Uh, I, I, I think I, I started this beat, the religion beat the Wall Street Journal four years ago, and I think I actually heard about um, the Falwell's relationship with Mr. Granda not too long after that, it was the type of thing that there was a lot of speculation about. Um, he had been seen in public with the Falwells a number of times. No one really quite understood what their relationship with him was. Um, and for a while, he was managing uh, a hotel that they're a youth hostel, rather, that they owned in Miami. Um, but people people had tried for years to report out what exactly that relationship was, and no one no one succeeded until uh, Reuters had a big this week.
Yeah. Okay. So Giancarlo Granda was a business partner um, of the Falwells. You mentioned the youth hostel. Um, he also had a sexual relationship, apparently, with Jerry Falwell's wife, Becky. Um, talk about what is alleged. So, so the Reuters story that um, was published on Monday alleged that uh, Mr. Granda had a sexual relationship with um, Mr. Falwell's wife, Becky, um, that he would have sex with Becky and that Mr. Falwell would sometimes watch from the same room. Uh, Reuters said they saw texts that um, supported this, and they also published um, an audio recording of a conversation between the three of them um, where they seem to be they seem to be talking about um, um, th- there was certainly an implication of a sexual re- relationship between um, Becky and Mr. Granda, and Mr. Falwell was on the call and, and made a joke as they were discussing it. So he seemed, at the very least, to certainly be part to know about it. I'm reading from the Reuters news story now. It says, uh, quote, Becky Falwell did not respond to emails or phone and text messages from Reuters. After Reuters presented its initial reporting early last week to the Falwells, a lawyer for Jerry Falwell, Michael Bow, said the evangelical leader, quote, categorically denies everything you indicated you intend to publish about him. On Sunday night, however, as Reuters was preparing to publish this article, Jerry Falwell issued a statement to the Washington Examiner in which he said that his wife had had an affair with Gron and that Granda had been trying to extort money from the couple over the matter. Granda denies any such intent, saying he was seeking to negotiate a buyout from a business arrangement he says he had with the couple. Ian, do we know anything about whether extortion was part of this package? Uh, I mean, that is what that is what the Falwells are alleging. Um, Jerry Falwell, in, when I spoke to him yesterday, said that um, this had been going on for years. Um, in the Reuters story, Mr. Granda denies this. So, you know, it's tough to know necessarily exactly what happened, but certainly there, whether whatever the details are, this is the type of thing that is taken very, very seriously in the evangelical community. Um, nothing, I think, is more likely to get someone ousted from a prominent evangelical position than any kind of sexual impropriety. This is something that um, Jerry Falwell Sr., Mr. Falwell's father, preached about often, was a major issue for him. And so, the allegations are really so explosive that, you know, before this Reuters story came out yesterday, a lot of people I was speaking to thought it was totally possible that um, Mr. Paul would be able to return as president, you know, perhaps in a few months. And after the story published, there was just no way. There was absolutely no chance. Ian, we only have a few minutes left. I'm actually a little behind on the clock, but I did want to talk about this. I think it's important enough. Um, So Jerry Falwell initially denied that he had resigned from his position at Liberty. Now, are you certain that he has? I I, I am now certain that he has. Um, He seemed to go back and forth yesterday. He, uh, at first, it seemed indicated to Liberty officials that he was going to resign, but then he spoke to his lawyer and started negotiating um, trying to negotiate the terms of his exit and said said to me when I talked to him that he had changed his mind. Um, he called me very late last night, almost midnight his time, to tell me that he had actually resigned. And then the Board of Liberty today met and universally, uh, sorry, uh, unanimously voted to accept that resignation. So he is now officially no longer president of Liberty University or chairman or on the Board of Trustees. Ian, along with, uh, I'm sure you uh, agree, I shouldn't speak for you, but uh, let me just speak for myself and say I'm so profoundly sickened by all of this 
all of these allegations and not just this story, but every other story related to some prominent Christian who has decided to, you know, completely reject any sort of uh, moral outlook on their personal life and is taking all sorts of institutions, churches, and schools down with them. Uh, but Ian, you've done excellent reporting on this, and we, re- we very much appreciate your time with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I uh, appreciate mm-hmm. it. Yeah, Ian Lovett really does write um, so well and so consistently well at the Wall Street Journal. We thank him uh, for being with us today. We'll talk more about Jerry Falwell Jr. coming up next. Also this week in the nation's capital, we'll be talking to Greg Clugston in just a couple minutes. So stay with us. Today's edition of The Ride Home. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by August 31st, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at Home, formerly XL Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a help-at-home caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home, 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation... Is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app. iHeart, tune in, and at Radio.com. Partial clouds for tonight, low 61. 
clouds and sun for Wednesday. Watch for a strong afternoon thunderstorm. High 84. Wednesday night in evening thunderstorm. Otherwise clear to partly cloudy. Low 70. Clouds and some sun. Watch for a thunderstorm Thursday. High 85. Friday, high 82. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. I am unspeakably sick of hearing these stories about Christian leaders who just absolutely bomb out in their personal life. We just finished a conversation on Jerry Falwell Jr. Um, he says he's resigned as Liberty's, Liberty University's president today. I just spoke with Ian Lovett from the Wall Street Journal who gave us the story. And, uh, you know, we only have a couple minutes here before we bring Greg Clugston in for um, all the news about what's going on in the nation's capital. But I, I just want to say that I don't care really what politicians do. Uh, I don't really care about, you know, leaders of businesses or whatever. It's just, it's not, it's not... It's not my focus. But if you're a Christian, if you say that you believe in Jesus and you follow him, then get your act together. This is sickening behavior. God. Every one of us needs to sit down and talk to the God who is over us who has created us, who has redeemed us and given himself for us and figure out what that means for our daily life and our work. And if we're not willing to live in a way that's different and unique, then don't call yourself a Christian. Just, It's not just priests, it's not just pastors, it's not just university presidents, it's every single one of us who have committed ourselves to live for Christ. There has got to be something sacrificial about how we look at our lives. It's not about yachts, it's not about cash, and it's not about power. It is supposed to be about embracing weakness so that the strength of God can be a reality in our lives. God help us. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, Greg Clugston in the On Deck Circle this week in the nation's capital next on today's Rideout. WORD, Dr. Michael Youssef. The reason why God's people do not give to the work of God sacrificially is because of fear. And fear is the opposite of faith. And so what God's children have been doing is that they've been living in fear instead of faith. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Progressive Motorcycle presents Road Wisdom from the Motor. Half man, half motorcycle. You grab life with both hands. And you grab your bike with both hands. Both hands. 
Therefore, bike is life. Figuratively speaking. Progressive Motorcycle also presents roadside assistance. Progressive Motorcycle, for those who were born to ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds. I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because of what this film may do. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. They want to cover up history. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history. They are actively learning their history wrong. Why have you hidden this from me? Starring Larry Elder. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man. Candace Owens. I'm a black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack. Brandon Tatum. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman Cain. As my late grandfathers used to say, I does not care. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Gorka for 20% off. We can hardly believe it, but it's time for the last barbecue of the summer at the Springhouse in 84. Don't miss out on this great summer taste treat. And come to the Springhouse this Labor Day for fantastic chicken cooked over the pit with lots of country vegetable casseroles, homemade rolls, homemade desserts, and of course our own Springhouse chocolate milk. Eat in our picnic patch or sun porch or take it home to your own picnic. And although this last chicken barbecue marks the end of the summer at the Springhouse, it also signals the beginning of lots of fun fall events. We'll soon be having hog roasts and pumpkin patch hay rides, plus lots of other special events to celebrate this beautiful autumn time of the year. So be sure to come this Labor Day to the Springhouse and help us celebrate. treat to talk to Greg Cluxton, SRN News White House correspondent on a Tuesday. We usually talk to him Monday at 410. It's Tuesday at 540. And here you are, Greg. Welcome in. Thanks, Kathy. I feel like I got jet lag or something. No, it's very exciting, actually, <laughs> because the content no. is the content is just that good. The segment time does not matter. All right, Greg, you are you are deep in the weeds of the Republican National Convention as you were covering the Democratic National Convention last week. Um, so the whole thing started last night. Um, differences between the Democratic Convention and the Republican Convention from your perspective. Well, one main difference actually started uh, in the morning at midday yesterday because you actually had uh, a convention gaveled into session in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, really, last week, even though Milwaukee was the home base for the Democrats and there were some uh, party officials there, um, there wasn't really um, a lot of business conducted in Milwaukee, even though it was sort of the technical nerve center for the virtual convention. But in Charlotte yesterday, you had um, a, a smaller number of delegates gather at a convention hall, and they gaveled the session into order, and they had an in-person roll call of states and formally nominated Donald Trump and Mike Pence as the nominees for 2020. And then you had appearances by both the president and vice president in Charlotte. And so there was a real effort 
to make it feel like it's, you know, is an in-person event. Obviously, it's much scaled back from original plans, but uh, you had that travel to Charlotte yesterday. And then, of course, the, the primetime programming in the evening, two and a half hours, uh, the Republicans are putting on each evening uh, to, uh, this week through Thursday night. And then in terms of, in terms of content, Kathy, uh, you know, the, the White House was and, and the campaign was promising, they were both promising it was going to be more inspirational this week and hopeful and optimistic, although there were certainly speeches last night that were uh, painting a dire picture if, if, mm-hmm. if Joe Biden were to win or Democrats were to take control of Congress and both houses. Uh, so it's always a there's always a, a careful dance there between being portraying your opponent in a negative light, but then also being positive about the attributes of your own uh, about your own campaign. Yeah. So a strong performance um, by Senator Tim Scott. I thought that was one of the uh, optimistic uh, moments of last night, talking about his um, he called it uh, his family going from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. That's why I believe he said the next American century will be better than the last. Yeah, he certainly has been um, a big uh, a big presence, not just in the, in the in the convention last night, but as a Republican member of the of the United States Senate. Um, and obviously, given his background, given the color of his skin, um, given the forceful uh, nature in which he addresses um, conservatism and his personal Christian faith, as well as you know civil rights and racial justice issues, he's really a, a very interesting uh, public figure. And uh, it was no wonder that the Trump campaign had him in a in a really key spot last night, along with Nikki Haley, of course. She's the former governor of South Carolina and also served as United Nations ambassador early in the Trump administration. She's um, she's a she's a fan of this president. And President Trump is a huge fan of Nikki Haley. And so she got Mm -hmm. uh, a very primetime spot last night as well. So both Nikki Haley and Senator Tim Scott, future presidential candidates, this was their time to shine. Yeah, you know, in fact, um, over the last year or two after Nikki Haley left the administration, uh, midway through the first term, there were some rumblings that maybe Donald Trump would uh, replace Mike Pence um, with Haley uh, mm-hmm. in the VP slot. That obviously did not happen, uh, but uh, she's done nothing to, you know, tamp down speculation that she could be a, she could be a contender in 2024. Of local interest to us here in Pittsburgh, Greg, uh, Sean Parnell running to unseat incumbent U.S. Representative Connor Lamb, uh, the Democrat from uh, Lebanon, spoke, did a terrific job. Uh, Sean is a, um, a U.S. Army veteran. He wrote a book called Outlaw Platoon, which is really a spectacular account of his uh, time in Afghanistan. He also had a very strong speech last night. I'm happy to see him there. Um, let's talk about what we can look forward to this evening, Greg. I understand. And Melania Trump will be speaking from the Rose Garden? Yeah, she really is the keynote speaker tonight, probably will be uh, speaking in the final half hour of tonight's program. And she'll be speaking from the White House, and she'll be speaking from a newly renovated Rose Garden. Uh, they just sort of uh, got the finishing touches done last weekend after uh, revamping a little bit of that uh, location of the White House, which sits just outside of the Oval Office. So that will be the location 
where she'll be speaking tonight. And the theme for tonight is Land of Opportunity. And so she'll be, even though uh, her office, the First Lady's office, has been somewhat quiet about uh, releasing too many details about the content of her speech tonight, uh, we assume that her comments will will you know tie in with the theme. A few other people um, are, are from the Trump family are going to be speaking, including Eric Trump and Tiffany Trump, the children of uh, two of the children of Donald Trump, and then a few other people that may be of note: um, Sissy Graham Lynch, who is the daughter of Franklin Graham and the granddaughter of Billy Graham, is going to be talking about how President Trump has been an advocate for Christians and people of faith during his administration. And there's also going to be a woman who is a former Planned Parenthood clinic director uh, who is now uh, on, on the pro-life side of, of the issue, and uh, she is going to be speaking as well as a number of other uh, people from across the country uh, from all walks of life. There's going to be a small-town mayor, a police officer, a fisherman, a dairy farmer, uh, as well as other elected officials. So that's what's on tap tonight. Secretary of State Pompeo also will be apparently live or maybe pre-recorded, quote, live from Jerusalem. Um, talk about the um, the wall between people who are involved in the administration working, I'm using air quotes, and campaigning, air quotes. Yeah, this is interesting. My understanding is that Pompeo's address um, has already been recorded. Uh, he is overseas traveling right now in his capacity as Secretary of State, but recorded a message for the convention from Jerusalem last night that will be airing tonight. And there are any number of Democrats and other critics who are just concerned about sort of a crumbling wall between politics and diplomacy. Um, it's, it's not often um, that you've even seen um, secretaries of state attend political conventions, although that has happened occasionally over the last 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, but we certainly have not seen or heard from a Secretary of State in terms of giving a convention speech, which is what is happening tonight with Pompeo. Now, Pompeo and State Department officials are saying that this was done on his personal time and that uh, campaign will be covering whatever costs were involved in, in recording his speech, uh, although that's always kind of a gray area and kind of a dicey matter to deal with in terms of how that exactly is calculated because he's Secretary of State and he's also on foreign soil while he's doing that. So uh, there, there are any number of people who are unhappy about that, but obviously he wants to talk about uh, the approach and the friendship that President Trump has with Israel and also uh, the moving of the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which was a pretty big deal for a lot of people. Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, uh, Kellyanne Conway successfully uh, managed President Trump's campaign in uh, 2016. And just this weekend, she resigned from her position as special assistant. Can you tell us about it? You know, Kathy, when we hear from elected officials, they often will be leaving maybe even under suspect circumstances, and they often will say, I want to go home and spend more time with my family. Well, right. this, is what, this is what she's doing, but this is also what her husband is doing, because um, he's, vo he's involved very politically. In fact, uh, for anybody who may not know, her husband, George, uh, is very much anti-Donald Trump, and here she is working on the, in the inner circle of Donald Trump's West Wing White House. And she is going to be leaving as well in just a few days here at the end of the month. And they've got four children. Um, some of them are teenagers. Um, some of them, if not all of the kids, are going to be 
doing remote learning, and uh, they have just been going 100 miles an hour, each of them, in politics for a number of years, and they really feel they need to scale back and put a priority on their family. So that's what she has been publicly saying, and uh, she's, been, um, she's been a fan of, of the president, and it's a, it's a mutual respect, for, partly because of what you just mentioned, Kathy, about the role that she played as the campaign manager back in 2016. Greg Clugston with us, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, less than a minute left. Um, I want to turn your attention from things of great importance to things of really no importance at all. But the <laughs> pumpkin spice latte debuts today at Starbucks. Is this an important development to you? No, mm-hmm. it is not. No, I'm, I'm not into the pumpkin. I like pumpkin. I like pumpkin pie, but the pumpkin spice, um, I know it's a craze. I know a lot of people love it, but it's not for me. Is it disturbing to you at all that this has debuted in August? I said it's similar to Christmas decorations coming out at the mall in October. Yeah, you know, I saw uh, I saw Halloween candy at the end of July in the store. Oh my gosh! So there's no end. There's no end, is there? No, that's just uh, it's just original sin. It's just on display all around us. That's Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, thanks so much for making time for us today. You're welcome. Thanks, Kathy. You can listen to Greg Clugston uh, sharing all the coverage for SRN News. We'll be right back on The Ride Home. My wife and I have had this conversation 700 times. Honey, where would you like to go for dinner? Oh, I don't care. Whatever you think. Okay, how about Restaurant One? Oh, no, definitely not Restaurant One. How about Restaurant Two instead? Oh, please don't ever make me go back to Restaurant Two. And it soon becomes clear that we need a restaurant advisor for a decision that big. It's Ryan, and in many ways, our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is kind of like a restaurant advisor. But for mortgages, we're big on presenting you with your options and then letting you decide. As in, refinancing to a 30-year loan will make your payment this and save you that over the 30 years. Or a 20-year refinance will mean this and that. Or you could cash out this much of your current equity and end up with this and that. If you'd like to see your options, know that we're committed to never pressuring even one Word FM listener. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. I'm listener 1330, Department of Banking, Mortgage Lender License Number 22672. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds. I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because of what this film may do. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. They want to cover up history. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history. They are actively learning their history wrong. Why have you hidden this from me? Starring Larry Elder. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man. Candace Owens. I'm a black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack. Brandon Tainter. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman King. As my late grandfathers used to say, I does not care. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Larry for 20% off. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ. And our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience 
First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Coming down the home stretch is Liberty Mutual, followed by Customizes Your Car Insurance. But wait, from the back comes So You Only Pay For What You Need. So it's Liberty Mutual, Customizes Your Car Insurance, So You Only Pay For What You Need. And I'm pretty sure this is just an elaborate insurance ad. Liberty, 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 Liberty. I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us. Exceptional Dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. A bullet meant for someone else found its way through a window in two walls at an apartment complex in Spring Hill, killing a one-year-old boy as he slept in his bed Monday night. Pittsburgh police on Tuesday morning pleaded for anyone with information about the shootout that killed Zykier Young to come forward. This is a story that we'll talk about more on tomorrow's program. I'm reading from the Pittsburgh uh, Tribune Review Live today, article by Megan Guza, quote, This is senseless. It shouldn't happen. A child laying in their bed shot by people who are intent on committing violence in our city is unacceptable, said Chief Scott Schubert, pledging that his bureau will find and hold accountable those involved in the shootout. We owe it to that baby. We owe it to their family. We owe it to that community. This has got to end. Our deepest sympathies, our deepest sympathies to the family and the friends of young Zyke or young. We got to do better, Pittsburgh. Thanks for being here today. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.